Good evening. It's about 7.40 in my world. I've been up since like 2.30 this morning, so I'm, I'm trying to rotate back into the time zone. So I'm okay. It's, it's about dinner time in Spain, so I'm getting a little hungry, but, but it's good. It's good to be back. I was excited to hear, uh, heard great reports about the last two services, Tom and Chad, brought the word and did a great job. We had an exciting trip and appreciate Philip sharing, summarizing. I'll share a little bit more, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about where we're going over the next month or so. So this is really, today is going to be our last message in this series, Engaging Your World. Then we're going to take a little break. We're going to do four weeks, the rest of August. We're going to jump into the Old Testament and we're going to look at the book of Ruth. Four chapters, four, four books, so I hope you're excited about that. And then, starting in September, we're going to go back to engaging our world as, as the church. We're going to look at the church that acts. We're going to look through the book of Acts. So we've covered the Gospels and engaging our world, and, and we're going to go into the book of Acts starting in September. So look forward to that. And before I left, I knew that I would come back on Friday afternoon and and have Saturday uh, to, to relax, hopefully. And so I actually prepared a message before I left for Spain. And then while I was in Spain, I decided, well, I, here's a different message I want to do. So, so I worked on it some in Spain, and then Saturday. And so what we want to talk about today is, is while we were doing our training, that training day that Philip showed, there was a number of things that had to do with what you do on the port, how you speak a little, some Arabic phrases, what you do if they say this or do this, and things like that. But then there were some just basic ideas about being a, a witness, being a witness. And so I just wanted to share a part of our training. So I'm going to share with you part of the training we got. I think this probably took, this part of the training probably took a little over an hour. So I'm going to Try to press it in here uh, and get us, get us out of here because we have communion as well. But this part of the training, I think, applies to each of us. And it, and it really has some, uh, some summarizing of what we've been looking at as we've been talking about engaging our world. And the, and the title of the message, and this was the title of the training that Al, Al Stahl gave to us on that training day, was called Fruitful Witnessing. Fruitful Witnessing. Eight Steps to be a fruitful witness. That's what we want to look at today. The first step, we're going to kind of just go through these one at a time. The first step in fruitful witnessing may seem obvious, but hold on. Be sure you're a Christian. That's the first step. If you're going to be a fruitful witness, be sure you're a Christian. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 18 through 21, talks about being reconciled to God. He talks about coming into relationships. That's what it means to be reconciled to God. That's what it means to be a Christian, to be reconciled with God. And he also talks about what we're to do when we're reconciled to God. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's when we're reconciled to God, when we are, become a Christian, 
that we're then given this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, this is, that is, what is that ministry of reconciliation in Christ? God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation. It's when we're reconciled to God, when we become Christians, when we go into relationship with God, that we're given this message. We're reconciled, and then we're given the message of reconciliation. This message of reconciliation, it's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We have this message of reconciliation, and we're out there imploring people. And really, that's what we were doing on this, on this trip. We were imploring people. The, the, the phrases we learned in Arabic were few. They were, assalamu alaikum, the Arabic greeting, traditional greeting. Hetha el injil, this is the New Testament. Hetha hadiya, it's a gift. Those are the ones I use the most because I'm an introvert. There's one more, and it's to fuddle, to fuddle. And it's, I insist, I insist. It's what Philip talked about, getting in their face and in their car. You didn't throw it at them, but you just put it right in there. And so I implore you, take this New Testament. When we're reconciled to God, when we become Christians, we become ambassadors, representatives of Jesus Christ. We can only be truly a witness for Christ when we've been, when we receive Christ, when we've been reconciled to God, seems pretty obvious, right? But the church is full of people who don't understand what it means to be a Christian. They've never truly been reconciled to God. They view Christianity as just their chosen religion, you know, on a, a form they fill out. Okay, they check the box. Okay, I'm not a Buddhist, I'm not a Muslim. Oh, okay, I'm a Christian. That's, that's the box I check. It's just their religion, what they grew up with. Maybe it applies a lot to maybe young people who are born into the church and never really understand it beyond being a religion. They've never really believed, trusted in Jesus Christ. Al Stahl, in our training time, had a number of stories of people who had, had gone on this project to give out the New Testament to Muslims in Spain who found out when they got there uh, through Al sharing with them that they they weren't really believers themselves. They were just, this was something that they felt they should do as being part of the Christian religion. And they came to Christ. One of my favorite stories about this is a story I heard from a man, maybe you got, some of you know him, many of you know him, a few of them, I don't know. Randy Thompson. How many know Randy Thompson? He uh, was an elder at this church for many years. He was a principal at Riverside Christian Day School. He was the superintendent for the Woodcrest and Riverside Christian Day School system. And his testimony, is this part of it, that I always think about when it comes to this, was he was part of the youth group in his church growing up in Bakersfield, I believe, California. And he was voted in his youth group King Christian. He was the number one best Christian in his youth group. And he tells this story of that evening. He was brought up on stage and he was given a crown as King Christian. And and later that evening, he was walking alone outside by himself and he realized 
He had never trusted in Jesus Christ. And so that evening, in in tears, he, he came to Christ. After being, by his church, youth group, bestowed king Christian. So, just because you go to church, just because you're a king Christian, doesn't make you a Christian. It's trusting in Jesus Christ. And if you know Randy also, just a side note, Randy is a a very fruitful witness. He's a a faithful and fruitful witness for Jesus Christ. Before we seek to represent Christ in the world, we need to be truly Christians. We need to understand that Christianity isn't a set of rules that we follow. It's not a method to gain God's favor. It's not a way to earn earn yourself a, a ticket to heaven. Christianity is, in fact, an acknowledgement that you have no ability to do that, that you can't do that. It's not possible. I have no ability to earn God's favor, to earn heaven. That, the only, that only through trusting in Christ can you be saved. If Paul puts it well, familiar verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace, grace, God's gift, by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. Do we need to understand that salvation comes through grace? It's a gift of God, and we need to trust in Him. And and that's the first step in being a fruitful witness. And if maybe even today you're thinking, have I done that? Have I given my life? Have I trusted in Christ alone as as the one who will forgive and cover my sins? If you haven't today, I I would encourage you to after the service to come and talk to me, and I can I can help you help you do that. So first, be a Christian. If you're going to be a fruitful witness, the second step is be sure there's no unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe you have been saved by grace through faith. Maybe you you know in your heart I'm I'm saved. I've I've trusted in Christ but you have no desire, no desire to be a witness. No desire to tell anyone you're a Christian. No desire to tell anyone about Jesus Christ. No desire to be that ambassador for Christ. That could, and and I would say probably is, a result of a broken relationship between you and God. You've, You've come to Him, you've given your life to Him, but because of sin in your life, There's a broken relationship, and therefore you have no desire to be a witness. David wrote, if you've cherished iniquity, if you've cherished sin in your heart, the Lord would not have listened. The Lord does not hear you. There's a break in that relationship if you're cherishing sin in your heart. If we cherish iniquity, if we have sin in our lives and don't take it to God, it's not that we don't sin. We all know that. We're going to sin. But the the thing we need to do is, is take that sin to God. Ask for forgiveness. Because our, our relationship with Him is broken. When our relationship with God is broken, there's no way we're going to be a positive representative, an ambassador for Him. So what do we do? John 1.9. 1 John 1.9. If you have that broken relationship with Christ, you confess your sin. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we don't confess our sin, this is going to hinder both our relationship with God personally and then our witnessing opportunities, our witnessing ability. But God is gracious. If we confess our sin, He'll reconcile 
us to himself. But we need to confess. Confession involves, first it involves agreeing with God that you've sinned. Second, it involves agreeing with God that Jesus Christ's death on the cross has provided the forgiveness for your sin. Third, it involves accepting that forgiveness. And fourth, it involves repentance, stopping the sin. We can't say we're confessing and repenting of our sin if we have in our mind a plan for the next time we're going to do that particular sin. I had to practice this a lot when we were in uh, Spain. I had to practice this a lot, handing out the packets, because over and over again I I found myself sinning. And the, the sin I kept committing was this sin of anger. I got mad. I kept getting, getting upset. When people not only refused the packet, there were a lot of people that said, uh, merci, no, no merci, or uh, gracias, no, you know, Spanish, French, there was, needed to be really uh, multilingual there. There were a lot of gracious refusals, and there was a lot of gracious acceptances as well. But there was a, a number of people that got angry. And when people got get angry for me just offering them a free gift, I kind of got ticked off myself. And that made me want to uh, not want to try the next car. You know, it made me want to, you know, I didn't, I, I, I'm smart enough to not, well, actually, there was one time when this guy sort of got in my face, and usually I backed off. This guy was really small, so I just stepped right into him. It, did, it didn't do any, it didn't do any good. But uh, I was trying Al's method, you know, of, of just insisting. But I had to pray. I had to spend a lot of time in prayer. God, forgive me for this anger, this anger that's causing me to then walk away and ah, forget about him, forget about asking that car, no, forget about it. So I was constantly going before the Lord and confessing my sin, and he was faithful. and He would forgive me, and he would give me new motivation. He would cleanse me just on the spot, and that was great. So, so second... The second step to fruitful witnessing is to be sure there's no unconfessed sin in your life. As you walk out, as you you seek to share your faith, just make sure. Go before the Lord. Say, examine my heart, Father. Are there things in my life that I haven't dealt with? The third step sort of goes one step beyond that. So make sure that you're cleansed of your sin and then make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a big topic, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we, we covered it in, in week two of our Engaging Our World series, so I refer you to that sermon. But I do want to remind us that fruitful witnessing only happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus' words in Acts 1.8, but you were, he's speaking to his disciples. He's about to leave. He's about to go uh, uh, ascend into heaven. And he says to his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The promise, get this, the promise to be filled with the Holy Spirit is given in the context of being a witness. We're filled with the Holy Spirit that we might have the power to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us that we can be fruitful. The people who run Operation Transit, that's the name of the project that we were part of, one of the first things that they did was when we arrived is they gave us a a little bracelet. I'm wearing mine. Anybody else got theirs on? 
Woohoo. And on this bracelet, it has this saying. It says, Lord, I can't. You can do it through me. Lord, I can't. You can do it through me. I don't know how many times I had to look down at this bracelet and be reminded and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me, to work in and through me as I approached a car or as I approached a a person walking by. And each time he was faithful. Each time God worked through me. We're doing, we're, we're, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. We can't do it ourselves. We have no ability, but the Holy Spirit does. So the third step to being a fruitful witness is to be sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and like I said, we talked about how to do that in week two of this, of this 21-week series, 22-week series now. But I would just say, simply, you can ask. You can ask, Lord, be, fill me with your Spirit. Lord, I, I need your power to be a witness, to live the Christian life, to overcome Sin. It's not that the Holy Spirit will empower us in many areas. This is just, we're talking about being a witness right now. But you can just ask, God, give me uh, a filling of your Spirit. Remember, we always have the Spirit. It's a gift to those who are, number one, Christians. We, we get the Holy Spirit, but oftentimes we don't allow the Spirit to fill us. So just ask the Spirit to fill you. And then fourth, be prepared to share your faith. Be prepared to share your faith. For th- 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as, God, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Oh, okay. I forgot about that. I forgot about that verse when I stepped up into that guy, you know. Gentleness and respect. That's what we've been talking about, really, uh, over the past 20-plus weeks. Being equipped to engage your world, being prepared to engage your world. But just listening to sermons doesn't quite do it, does it? We have to prepare ourselves. We have to be personally prepared. And I think there are two specific ways that we need to be prepared. First, we need to be prepared spiritually. This is most important. This came to home, home to me the first two days of our, of our project. So uh, we were on the shift... Our first shift started at 6 in the morning. Uh, we were, our first shift was from 6 to 8 in the morning. And so that meant we had to get up around 5 if we wanted to shower, if we wanted to have a little quiet time, read the Bible, prepare for what we were about to do. Or you get up about 5.30, dress real quick, and run down to the port. That's what I did the first day. And so that first day did not go well for me. I was just... I felt it was oppressive. It was, the whole thing was fairly difficult for, for us introverts, but the first day was very difficult for me because I hadn't prepared. I hadn't prepared myself spiritually at all. And that day in our, in our uh, large group meeting, the text that we were looking at was Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. I'm not going to read it to you, but it, it's, the, it's the passage that it talks about putting on the armor of God. It begins by talking about the fact that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And so that was very important to me. And so the next day, the next morning, I got up early and I read through this passage a couple times. And I prayed through this passage. I said, Father God, as I approach people, help me to, even when they go, no, 
what are you doing? And, and I'm, and I'm uh, they didn't speak English. I'm assuming this is what they're saying. Uh, what are you doing here? Why are you trying? Well, they did say this uh, in English sometimes. Why are you, uh, we're, we're Muslims. Why are you trying to give us the New Testament? And so uh, I was prepared. They weren't the enemy. There was something behind them. There were spiritual forces. There was spiritual warfare going on. And so I prayed for the, the belt of truth. I prayed for the shield of faith. I prayed for the, 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 the feet shod with the gospel of peace and the sword of the spirit. And I asked God to, to fill me. And the second day was a much different experience, much different experience. So we need to prepare ourselves spiritually, and we need to do this daily, because we don't know. I mean, I knew for sure I'm going out and I'm engaging people. I'm trying to hand the Injil, that's the Arabic for, yeah, Arabic for uh, New Testament. And so I'm trying to hand out, I'm, I'm, if I meet someone that speaks English, I'm going to talk to them, so I need to pray. But, but we need to understand that as ambassadors for Christ, every day we need to prepare. We need to prepare for that encounter that could happen. Oftentimes, probably the encounter doesn't happen because we're unprepared for it. Being in a relationship, spending time in prayer with God, asking for opportunities to witness. That's how we should be preparing spiritually. And second, we should be prepared intellectually. We need to think about sharing our faith. We need to have a, a, an idea of what that would look like. We need to have maybe a method. Maybe that's for us with Campus Crusade, it's the four spiritual laws, but there are many of many methods. The Roman road, the colorless, what's it called? The color, the wordless book, the wordless book, stuff like that. The, the uh, John, just using John 3.16 as we talked about it at Christmas last year. There, there are many methods but, but know a method. Have some verses. Have uh, thought through how you're going to share your faith. And, and think through your testimony. Think through telling people how you came to Christ. Think through telling people about Jesus Christ. Think through telling people what Jesus did in your life and what He can do in their life. Prepare yourself. And intellectually is a big word. I don't, I don't mean you know you have to be a professor or something. You just need to know what you're going to say. Think through it. Practice. Grab your... Your spouse, your brother, your sister. Hey, let me, let me practice if, if I'm able to share my faith. Now, now as Philip pointed out, he had, a, he had three or four opportunities to speak English to people. I had two or three opportunities uh, because most people didn't speak English. Most people were, spoke Arabic as the, their first language, so they were probably born in North Africa, and then they migrated to Spain and France and Belgium and other places, some to the... Uh, England and some to the Netherlands, and, and they spoke some English. So I remember, uh, but I did get a couple opportunities. And so one man, and this was, this was interesting for me. So I, I was, we were in, uh, so there was that parking lot that you saw the picture of, and then there was another place where cars just lined up to get on the boat. And sometimes they were there for quite a, quite a while, just sitting in their cars or walking around the cars. And there were, there were these two gentlemen uh, sitting down on their prayer rugs. They, they had prayer rugs. We saw a lot of people pulling out their prayer rugs because if you don't know, Muslims pray five times a day wherever there are, so they have their little prayer rug. And, they go. and so they had finished their prayers, and they were sitting down on the prayer rugs talking. And, and so I approached them and said my little spiel, As-salamu alaykum, hetha hadiyah, hetha el-injil. And he said, the guy, one of the guys says, oh, why don't you sit down, in English, why don't you sit down and we can talk about this? 
We can talk about. I want you to tell me about this thing you're trying to give me. And so I sat down. And this man, he had an agenda. That became clear. But I had an agenda too. My agenda was to tell him, and I did, about the love of Christ. About that Jesus, that Jesus had died for him. That Jesus had, could forgive his sins. His agenda was to tell me, why are you doing this here? You are a Christian. We are Muslims. Do, his words were, uh, aren't there a lot of people who claim to be Christians that do really bad things? Why aren't you going to them? And I said, well, I do that 50 weeks of the year. I'm here only two. No, but but, uh, anyway, so I got my opportunity basically to share my testimony with this man. And, you know, I I wasn't even quite done, and the line started moving, and he had to jump up, and so I don't know what what the impact will be. But I was prepared. I was prepared to share my testimony. I was prepared to tell him what Jesus had done in my life and what he could do in his life. So the fourth step to being a fruitful witness is to be prepared. Prepared spiritually, prepared intellectually. The fifth is, I think, the most important and the most neglected. The fifth is pray. Pray. I'm going to spend a little more time on this one, even though I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to spend a little more time on this, because this was actually the sermon I prepared before I left. Most of it. So I've got a whole sermon here in this point. You guys ready for that? No, just kidding. I, I just pulled out the highlights. This is key. Jesus said in John 15, 7 through 8, get this, you've probably heard this before, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. This is the one we, you know, wait, how can I? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We struggle with this, ask whatever, what does that mean in my will? We have to notice that the context here is fruit bearing. This passage of John 15, Jesus is talking about abiding in him and bearing fruit. When we're abiding in him, we can ask whatever we wish. I think about bearing fruit is the contest. If you abide, if you have a relationship with Christ, if you're a true Christian, if you've taken care of that sin in your life, if you confessed it, then you can ask whatever you wish. In the context of bearing fruit, you can ask Jesus that you will be fruitful And one way to be fruitful, I think maybe the way he's talking about here, is in witnessing, is in spreading the good news, is about telling others about him. He chose us to be fruitful. In verse 16 he says it, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that that fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Don't take that... Whatever you ask, he'll give it to you out of the context of fruit bearing. Because he wants you to ask for fruit. We can always pray. We can always know it's God's will if we're praying for fruit. God, give us fruit. Give us opportunities to share. Let me just suggest three areas of prayer when it comes to witnessing. First, pray for yourself as the witness. Pray for yourself. Confess your sin. Be in relationship with Him. Ask Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit that you might be a witness. Pray that you would be prepared spiritually, that you would be prepared intellectually. And then pray for for boldness. Pray that He'll give you when... The second thing we're going to pray 
for opportunities. When those opportunities come, that you'll take them. And then pray for opportunities. Pray that God would lead you in your day, in your path. He would lead people into your path. That you would go to places, that you would take opportunities, that it would open your eyes, that it would open your mouth. So pray for yourself as the witness. Pray for opportunities to witness. And finally, pray for the people you'll witness to. Quickly, five things I think we can pray for. Five things we can pray for the people. This is maybe, maybe your unsaved spouse. Maybe your unsaved brother or sister or parents or, or friend at work or neighbor. These are things based on Scripture that we can be praying for them. Jesus told his disciples, well, the first one is pray that the Father draws. The Father draws them. Jesus told him, told his disciples, no one comes to the... To me, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him on the last day. No one can come to Christ unless the Father is at work in their soul, drawing them. So not only does that tell us what to pray, but it tells us why to pray. We pray because it's not possible for someone to come to Christ, to confess their sins to Christ, to ask to trust in Christ, unless the Father is working in their heart. So we pray. We intercede on their behalf. Lord, draw people to yourself. And then, pray that the Spirit convicts. Speaking of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Without the Spirit of God working in the lives of people, they won't understand their sin. They won't understand their need for a Savior. It's when the Spirit comes and convicts that people understand their need for a Savior. I remember Christina was on the port, and she found a, a young lady that was an English speaker, and they were, they were talking back and forth, and I came up behind her, and, and this girl just did not understand uh, and she, later, I talked to one of the Jordanians about her, her attitude. It was a little different than a lot of Muslims. It was sort of laissez-faire. She had become Europeanized, he said. She uh, felt like as long as she prayed her five times a day, she was okay. She didn't really have that much sin in her life. So I began to pray that God would uh, convict her of her sin. And again, about that time, the family came up and it was time for them to leave. So we didn't see the results. But, but pray that the Spirit will convict people because people will not understand their need for a Savior until they understand their sin. And then pray that Christ's light shines. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, 3-6, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we want to proclaim, for what we want to proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Christ's sake, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Unbelievers are blinded. They can't see. They can't see Christ. They can't see the truth of God. And so, until Christ comes and shines His light. So we need to pray 
Pray that Satan's power over them would be suppressed and pray that Christ would come. We can share the gospel until we're blue in the face. But unless the Lord takes away those blinders of the enemy, they will never see. So pray that Christ's light will shine. And then pray that God grants repentance. In Acts chapters 10 and 20, the gospel is breaking through barriers. It's breaking into the the Gentile world. And in verse 18 of chapter 11, Luke writes, When they heard these things, uh, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. It's God that grants repentance. It's God that helps people to understand their sin. And and it's God who allows them, gives them the power to repent, to turn from their sin. So pray that God would grant repentance. And finally, pray that the Lord sends out laborers. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, Jesus makes this prayer request. This is a prayer request from Jesus Christ. Then he said to his disciples, he says, The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Here's what I want you to pray. Earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Yes, it's the Father who draws. It's the Spirit who convicts. It's Christ who shines the light. It's God who grants repentance. But God has chosen to do all of these things through us, through his people. Lord, I can't do that. But you can do it through me. It's through laborers that God will reach the world. It's through, and, and so Jesus calls us to pray for these laborers, people who will step out in boldness, who will share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost world. Not just in Spain, or not just to North Africans, but in Riverside, and in Moreno Valley, and San Bernardino, and Corona, and all the Rialto. Don't want to forget Chad there. God will use us as we as we are sent forth. Pray for laborers and pray that you will be a laborer. That God will use you in his process of bringing people to himself. So, pray. Pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for opportunities and pray for those that you will encounter. That's fifth. Sixth, go. I think we understand that we need to go. I hope we understand that we're not to wait around as a church and just wait for people to to come in, that we have to go. We have to go out to the world, that we have to go out to engage. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, sort of clearing up uh, the question, sometimes we're confused, where do I go? Who do I go to? Who am I supposed to share with? God, give me a light. I'm going to go out into my street and my neighborhood, and I want you to... brighten up. I want the stars or the moonbeams to shine down on the house you want me to go to. Lord, as I walk through my office, can you brighten up the face? Just let, make it glow, This pers- the person that you want me to share with. Guess what? We do not need that because Jesus said, Mark 16, go into all the world and plain, proclaim the gospel, gospel to the whole creation. As you go into your neighborhood, it's every house. As you go into your office, it's every person that doesn't know Jesus Christ. This verse makes it clear that we're to go to the whole creation. And that's not bunny rabbits and cows or trees. That's people. The people that God has created. That means every person, everyone in your life who doesn't know Jesus Christ is a person that God is calling you to go to. 
God's creation, those he's created in his own image. We don't have to look for that perfect person. I found myself doing that on the port. Oh, he doesn't, he's, he's probably not a Muslim. He's, he's probably just Spain, from Spain going as a tourist. Oh, oh, that family, oh, she's not wearing a head covering. They're not, they're not Muslims. Oh, that guy, he's really geared up. He's got the beard and the outfit and everything. He's probably, he's too Muslim. So I was looking for that that perfect person. And finally, he said, you know, just offer it to, to everyone. So the sixth step in fruitful witnessing is go. And go indiscriminately, I would say. Go to those who need, who, who, go to those who are not saved. And the seventh and final step, no, there's eight. Whoa. Seventh step, talk about Jesus. Don't talk about other stuff. I mean, you can talk about other stuff, but it all needs a center around Christ. I'm not going to read this verse, and uh, you can look at it. It's got the underlines. 1 Corinthians, this is what Paul did. That's what the disciples did. That's what uh, uh, they did. They talked about Jesus when they preached. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 1 through 5, it's just Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Our message is about Jesus. When you share your faith, talk about what Jesus has done in your life and what Jesus can do for every person. Let me just give a, a very short outline of the gospel. God's love, number one, God's love caused him to send his son, Jesus Christ. That's found in John 3.16, if you don't know. Man's sin caused Jesus Christ to die on the cross, found in Romans 5, if you don't know. And three, salvation comes to those who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, First, first John 1.12. Just a, a very quick summary. It's all centered on Jesus Christ. Talk about Jesus is the focus of every aspect of the gospel. At the port, whenever I got an opportunity to speak in English, which was only three or four times, the focus always went, in my mind, to Jesus. And as a, as a Muslim, they have a different view of Jesus than we do. So that's what we talked about. We talked about their view versus the Christian view of, of who Jesus Christ is. We need to help people understand who Jesus is and what he did. That's the heart of the gospel. Focus on Jesus. So the seventh thing, talk about Jesus. The eighth step and final step is expect results. Do not say, John 4.35, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Don't put it off. Don't say, I have time. Don't wait. I mean, for a farmer, the harvest may be four months off. But for us as believers, the harvest is now. It's white for harvest. It's, that, that means that the wheat was, turned white when it, was, when it was ready to harvest. You could see the, the whiteness of the fields. Jesus said, the fields are white now. When you go out into the world, we need to expect that God will work through us. Now, that doesn't mean that every person will become a Christian that you share with. It didn't mean for us every person took a New Testament Probably 10 to 20% took them, and 80 to 90% didn't, would be my experience. But it does mean that some will. Some will accept the gospel. Some will pray to receive Christ. So, if we're truly Christians, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. And if we live not sinless lives, but confessing and, and being forgiven lives if we allow ourselves to be filled, if we ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, if we're prepared to share our faith 
intellectually and spiritually, if we pray and if we go, if we talk about Jesus, then we can expect results. Not every time, but we can expect God to work through us. We can expect God to do things through us. Lord, I cannot, but you can. Do it through me. We just have to be willing to go through the steps. We have to be willing to be used by Him. Because God is working, because God is working, we can expect results. But our job is not to produce the results. We've got to remember that. That's His job. The Campus Crusade motto in, in witnessing is witness in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. God takes care of the results. We're the messengers, the ambassadors. It's God's... We have no idea what these... 1,500 packets, New Testaments, and Jesus videos, and more than the Carpenter books are going to accomplish in northern Africa and Spain and France. But God does. We need to be messengers and expect that he's going to do what he will do. That's God's call on each of our lives, that we would be fruitful by witnessing in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to him. We did see a few results. With the, not, not with our team, we were the packet givers, but we did hear of a number of people who had received packets and then the, the, the Arab-speaking evangelists came to them and asked them, like, I see you, do you know what you're holding there? And would engage them in a, they're speaking their language, engage them in a conversation. And we heard of two, I think two to four, I can't remember, people that did pray to receive Christ, just right there on the port where we're at. As we're faithful to be witnesses here in Riverside and beyond, that, that same thing will happen for us. God will produce results. We may not always see them. We may not always know what, what he's doing. But God will produce the results. So now is, uh, so that's it. That's eight. I was flying through those. We have communion here. As Chuck comes forward and leads us in communion, I just want to pray for us. I want to pray and ask that God would convict us, convict me, as I, as I go from this hard thing of approaching Muslims in a parking lot in uh, Spain to approaching uh, Americans in my neighborhood and in my work, just pray for myself and for each one of us that God would give us the boldness and the, the, the filling of his spirit to be those fruitful witnesses. Would you pray with me? Father God, we want to see you glorified and honored. We want to see every people from every tribe and tongue and and nation, people in our neighborhoods, people in our places of work, people in our family. We want to see them uh, acknowledge you as the one true God. Acknowledge uh, that Jesus Christ died for their sins. Trust in you. Give their lives to you, Lord, and help us. Lord, we pray. We pray that you would send out laborers into the harvest field, and we pray that we would be those laborers. Lord, use us. Give us boldness. Give us opportunities to be your witnesses in Christ's name. Amen.